When you're going through hell, keep on moving, don't slow down. If you're scared, don't show it, you might get out, or the devil even knows what you're there. happening? <laughs> uh, this is an associate's, we are not CEOs, we are associates, that's what we Hello and welcome to this episode of And Associates. I'm one of your hosts, Preston Eberlin, along with... Your favorite host, Carson. And we are here recording an episode for you all. Um, And we basically will just, you know, go right into corrections like we do. Carson, what corrections do you have? Well, apparently me being the favorite host needs to be a correction because I've been told through the grapevine that I'm not necessarily the favorite host. (laughs) What? So, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe we should send out a poll. (laughs) This is a a democracy. We we do a, a, a... Uh, a survey for um, who the people think the favorite host is. I think the most terrifying thing about doing that would not be necessarily us finding out who is the favorite host, but us finding out the fact that, like, um, only five people respond to that survey. (laughs) (laughs) What a huge blow to my ego. (laughs) Uh, Well, anyway, for a real correction... um, I think that we uh, struggled with the leader of Myanmar Mm -hmm. um, and pronouncing her name. So it's spelled A-U-N-G-S-A-N-S-U-U-K-Y-I. But I believe the correct pronunciation is Aung San Suu Kyi. So I think it's important to try to pronounce people's names correctly um so i just wanted to make note of that great thank you carson and thank you for uh that correction it's an important correction um as someone whose name last name specifically is often said incorrectly when um when someone is reading it for the first time uh it does it does it does bother me and so uh i think yes what do what do people say for your last name um, Eberline, Eberline, <laughs> uh, which it's funny because, and I may have told this story, uh, when it, in a previous episode, but just quick note about our name or my last name. Um, the last bit is L Y N, uh, and it's Y instead of I J, which is what it actually is or was. But when, mm-hmm. um, my family came to America, my grandfather changed the I J um, to a Y to Americanize it so that Americans wouldn't be as confused when saying it. Um, that being said, they're still confused. But if <laughs> it, 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 the comparison I always use is Myers. So Myers is spelled with an I-J. It's not spelled with a Y, um, like the store Myers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you say it just like a Y You and with Myers. So it's Eberlin, not Eberlin or Lyne or whatever the fuck people say. Um, but that being said, like, it's fine. Um, yeah, so uh, I don't have any corrections. I mean, I'm sure I do, but <laughs> I have none that I want to cop to this week. So uh, with that, Carson, shall we just go into the weekly wrangle? Let's do it. Perfect. Well, w- you want to play us in or should I? Or... <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about things and stuff and let people know what our opinion is. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> um, so uh, just going along with uh, the realm of uh, weighty topics, we've decided to tackle the death penalty on this one. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh boy, this feels heavy. Like, are, do you feel that? Yes. <laughs> or are we just stressed right now? Well, I think we're also stressed. Um, but also, uh, it's a it's a it's a weighty topic, and um, I mean, we're we're gonna give you some facts and stuff, but then also tell you our opinion on it. Uh, spoiler alert: 
I think we're both against it. Um, but <laughs> there, that's the episode. Clip it. Four minutes long. Um, People are like, thank God for once they talked less than an hour. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, Carson, you've, you've actually done some research on this, um, for, for class. And so I figured I would just kind of, um, let you go through and, and teach me about it. And I'll, I'll say the things that I know about it from the, uh, research that I've done and past, um, classes I've taken and whatnot. And, uh, we'll just, we'll, we'll go through that way. Okay, cool. So just to note, this was a group sort of research thing. So it's not all just my own research. I can't take full credit for it. Um, But I'm going to hit you with some true or false questions first. Mm -hmm. Um, So true or false, the death penalty costs more than life without parole. Um, I want to say false, but I think it's true. It's true, and that's because the drugs are so expensive, honestly. Um, True or false, the death penalty was once unconstitutional in the United States. Um, I I feel like it's true, because that seems like something that's true, but I'm going to say false. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's true. Um, There was a a case that sort of decided that at one point in time. And if we have time, um, I might talk about it for a minute. Okay. Okay. uh, True or false, every state has the death penalty. False. Correct. Yeah. That one is false. I think we're somewhere around like the the midpoint Mm -hmm. where like 25-ish do and 25-ish don't. That's not exactly the numbers, but that's about where we are um true or false the u.s produces its own lethal injection drugs um i because we're one of the like only i would say true so that's actually false we um import them from the european union (laughs) (laughs) thanks eu (laughs) Major import. It's actually caused some, like... Wow, so it's not even American-made. I know, right? <laughs> that's maybe how we can get some people to protest Yeah, it. that's how... Did you hear that, Trump? We're it's giving these American dead made. jobs to foreigners. Uh. <laughs> um, okay, uh, oh, let's so- do sorry, one more. Real quick. Um, in the... Um, the information that I have, so I'll, I'll just note one of my sources is the Death Penalty Information Center, which is a nonprofit. And you were talking about number of states with death penalties. So the number is 28 and 22 do not. So sorry, just wanted to give okay, them some. Okay, yeah, cool. No, thanks for that. So that tells us, so, uh, say that, so 28 do yep. implement and, the death penalty? And tw- okay. And 22 so we're do. just we're just barely as a, as a whole in favor of the the death penalty here which i think tells you sort of where we are as a country Mm -hmm. um all right we'll do one more true or false and then we'll move on so the average time spent on death row is about 15 years true or false oh true yeah yeah that's true can you believe that so you spend 15 years on death row like waiting to die it has a lot to do with the number of appeals you get right and like the fact that takes years to go through that whole process i think so i mean the court process is so long and drawn out that i'm sure that that adds to it and you have to make sure that people have their day in court especially when at the end of the day the question is whether or not they're going to die Mm -hmm. um so i would say yeah that probably has a lot to do with it but that's crazy can you imagine like in essence knowing that you're going to die but like for 15 years right uh that would so that would mess with your mind so much i think mm-hmm. um okay so let's go to then just talking about um some of the things behind the death penalty so what part of what's involved here is the eighth amendment Um, And the Eighth Amendment says excessive bail shall not be required nor excessive fines imposed 
nor cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. Um, and so the two things that the Eighth Amendment is used for, like in courts and court cases, um, is excessive bail and cruel and unusual punishment. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the legal arguments surrounding the death penalty are dealing with the cruel and unusual punishments clause. Mm. Um, does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's that, I mean, that's because like, uh, the, the idea is that like, it's cruel to kill someone. Right. Okay. Um, so anyway, um, so, so we don't, going back to like the lethal injection part, right? Mm-hmm. We don't make our own lethal injection drugs and we depend on the European Union to give us those drugs. But, and this is where I was starting to um, go, but uh, you, you jumped in re- uh, real quick with the, some numbers, um, but it caused, it has caused some issues relying on the European Union um, to have lethal injection drugs for us because if they decide to ban them for whatever reason or not export them, then we have a shortage. Um, Mm. And so I think that that can play into the um, timing as well and whether or not like governors or federally there are stays of execution Mm -hmm. so there are a lot of like political pieces but also like if we don't have the drugs to kill someone then we can't kill someone right and i'm saying we because we have to (laughs) we really have to take credit and ownership in this because it's a state sanctioned killing like it's Mm -hmm. us we the people that are deciding to kill someone right um and that and that's the that's the question Right. Because, I mean, you were talking about the Eighth Amendment and what I mean, what the Eighth Amendment is is talking about is the United States or the country's um, uh, rights that it gives to its citizens. Like, obviously, it's cruel and unusual for one human to kill another. But what this is talking about is it is it cruel and unusual for the state to um, to kill another person? Or to or not not another person to kill a person, <laughs> and when we talk about the state, we're not only talking about the state, but also the citizens citizenry, because the citizenry are the ones who give the power to the state, and so that is us. So the question is, are we giving the state the ability to kill other people? So, uh, and th- and that's one thing that I think is important to know is the fact that when there is an execution. Um, or excuse me, uh, a, a, a death, a death penalty case, we are asking. And one thing that I think isn't said enough to jurors is, are you willing to kill this person? Is there enough evidence or, um, beyond a reason by doubt, all that stuff, um, to say, <laughs> Are you, yeah, I'm a great, I'd make a great lawyer, you know, all that stuff. Um, But are we as a nation, as a people, are we as a group of people willing to kill another person um, based on their possible actions? Um, Mm -hmm. And I, 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 I'll just leave that there. And then once we get to this discussion later, I'll, I'll, share my thoughts on that but sorry I just yeah yeah let's put a pin in that and pick it back up because I think one of the key things you said there was possible actions Mm -hmm. um but I think that um what you said was was actually very well said like we have to consider that and people it's I think it's an issue across the board right not Mm -hmm. just with death penalty but when you think about consumption and and trash and things like that like i'm always thinking about those things we put at the most our trash bags in a trash can and put it out in the street or like in a dumpster or something and then a magic fairy 
dumpster man comes and picks up the garbage and takes it away and it's out of sight out of mind Mm -hmm. and i think it's it's pretty similar with this unless you're sitting on a death penalty trial Mm -hmm. you're probably not thinking about the death penalty on a daily basis right um and then even when you are sitting in a death penalty trial are you thinking like wow i have this person's life in my hands Mm -hmm. like is it okay to kill them Mm -hmm. um so i think that you brought up some really good points um part of the issue with the death penalty is the the race disparities that we see um so do do, does your site have um any stats or facts on that or do you want me to try to interpret this graph (laughs) um yeah so in terms of from so since the executions um from 1976 to the most recent data that i have which is from february 18th of this year there have been 1532 executions now of those 1532 executions 854 were white um which is 55.7 percent 523 were black individuals, which is 34.1%. Uh, 129 um, were Hispanic, which is 8.4%. And then 26 were um, indicated their race as other, which is 1.7%. Mm-hmm. So the issue with these numbers is that the the way in which they're not necessarily representative of the population um, percentages. So like it, there are far more um, black people being executed than there are, um, you know, as a percentage of the the state or the population or population of the entire state or population of the country or whatever. Um, and so that's what we're talking about when we talk about like race disparities in the death penalty. Mm-hmm. And what that points to, really, it are, are flaws in the criminal justice system and over-policing, especially of black and brown neighborhoods, and um, uh, things like that. I mean, is that connection clear, or I, you... I, I, I think you've, you've made the point, and to further make the point, so those, those percentages are stark. But then when you even look at the prisoners that are on death row, it's even more stark. So can I go ahead and give those numbers real quick? Yeah. Okay, so there are two twenty five hundred excuse me, two thousand five hundred and fifty three individuals um as of October first, twenty twenty, that are on death row. The percentages are forty two percent of those individuals are white, forty one percent of those individuals are black. 14% are Hispanic, 3% are other. So, I mean, it's nearly... The, 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 the disparities that, um, Carson, you're talking about are, are really evident in that. And it, it, it's so important to note what, what you've already noted. So I'll just say it again with, with a man voice because <laughs> God knows. But the fact that when policing happens and when over-policing happens uh, in, in um, racially diverse and uh, black neighborhoods, there's going to be more uh, individuals from that neighborhood that are being arrested for, um, mm-hmm. for uh, smaller crimes. Now, that, that being said, individuals who are being convicted of um, uh, cases that end up on death row are what does SVU say some of the most heinous crimes uh, <laughs> um, but that being said and I think we're gonna get into this a little bit later but just because an individual is convicted of one of those crimes does not mean that uh, that person is actually guilty um, and I I, I, I I kind of quiver with the way that I'm saying that but I think we'll see in in something that you're going to talk about a little bit later from uh, um, uh, Mr. Stevenson. I'll just say that, and then I'll let you let you handle it. But um, I I think that becomes evident that um, some of the cases that have have happened 
um, are are not necessarily uh, the most judicial and reflect the best upon our judicial system. Uh, well, I mean, let's just jump into that right now. Like, do it. Um, I think it's a good time to talk about it anyway. So, you're, I mean, you're referencing Brian Stevenson, who um, is an Ivy League educated attorney who decided to go to the South and start what we know as the Equal Justice Initiative. And his work sort of began taking on death penalty cases. As a, as a young lawyer um, in the South, and one of his first clients was Walter McMillan. Mm-hmm. And, and so the book, Just Mercy, and the movie, Just Mercy, both sort of tell those stories, and the, and the book gets into sort of side stories, too, of other people that he came across and helped. Um, but the movie really um, exemplifies what was going on with Walter McMillan, or also known as Johnny D. Um, And essentially, he was on um, trial for this sort of gruesome death of a white woman in a small southern town. And, And the politics and the racism of the time and of the town were that of, you know, this poor white woman had this terrible thing happen to her and the only thing that was going to help anyone sleep at night was someone but it really didn't matter who being punished for this awful thing that happened because everyone was scared Mm -hmm. and and and, you know rightfully so that's scary there's a, a murder in a small town um murder anywhere but especially in a small town, it sort of shook things up. And so, you know, at the time, too, it was really easy to pin something on a black man. Mm -hmm. It still is. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a lot of the issue that we're facing with the justice system, the criminal justice system. And so Walter McMillan was the unfortunate person who was facing the accusations. And essentially, none of the evidence lined up. None of the testimony lined up. There was nothing that was like, yes, this man is guilty. But he was convicted uh, and put on death row. And um, so Brian Stevenson took his case, and as he was diving into the details, was figuring out, like, this is crazy. Nothing here makes any sense. Like, why are you doing this? Why has this happened? This innocent man is on death row. And I think that's something that, despite any of the arguments on either side, that's something that really can tug at your heartstrings, Mm -hmm. is hearing the story of an innocent man being put on death row and facing death because i think that that is where you get the most sense of empathy i think that people and and i'll sort of go into a a different example but people um are willing to let their empathy sit out or step aside when they think that death is justified for, like, as you said, a, a specifically heinous crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're looking at an innocent person, then you're then you're really seeing the, the effect of the death penalty and what's happening. So um, initial initial thoughts or reactions on that? Um, so my initial thought was to think of the fact that a lot of the talk around the death penalty is almost as a, a, a case for it as a use of revenge or vengeance or justice. Um, when really, and I, I guess this is the fundamental um, philosophical question behind our justice system and, and the penalties that we put on people, um, but 
that 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 being is is the use of 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 our justice system meant to be a deterrent towards crime or is it a source of vengeance um and i think in terms of that that debate and that that question um it there's so often the time when we we as a we as people as humans want that vengeance we want someone to uh pay for something someone else did however um in any (laughs) this is i'm gonna use a another awful analogy carson um but in every (laughs) movie or every story that you hear that you um feel some sort of connection with it is not always the person getting vengeance in the end that makes us feel good it's the person releasing um the vengeance or the uh the the hatred that they have towards someone or towards a thing uh that is cathartic for the viewer or the listener um and and just to this point of of use of deterrence um and use of uh, executions and the death penalty as a deterrent um I just want to bring some numbers in this, if I can, real quick, Carson. Be- yeah, because- please do. Thank you. Um, because, and I, I mean, I'm just going to note that um, this is just a, a quick little correlation um, in numbers that I'm going to talk about. So uh, when you look at the South, uh, the South being just the U.S., um, there were 100, or excuse me, 1,250 uh, executions in that time frame that I had talked about previously, um, mm-hmm. which, which counted for well over half. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're going to talk about that being, that being the death penalty as a deterrent, then maybe we should look at the murder rates in the different regions. And the murder rates in the South in 2018... Um, were six to every 100,000 people. Now, that is the highest of any of the regions in the U.S. The next highest is 5.2, which is the Midwest, yay Midwest. Nationally, (laughs) the average is five. So the murder rates in the South are higher than um, every other region in the U.S., higher nationally. However, they have the most... Uh, executions. So that is all to say that the use of um, the death penalty as a as a deterrent for potentially heinous crimes, um, specifically murder, um, does not necessarily track. Now, obviously, there are many other things that are are <laughs> involved with murder, but that's just um, a quick example of there 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 is no um, and most crime experts agree that there is no causal relationship between the death penalty being in place in a, in a state, in a region, and the number uh, of um, murders and, um, uh, uh, and heinous crimes. I'm just going to keep going back to heinous crimes. No, happening. I, yeah, but like, why, were, why would there be a causal relationship? Right. Exactly. For there to be a causal relationship, essentially what would have to happen is like if I, if I somehow could shoot you through the screen right now mm-hmm. and then I immediately died, then maybe people would be like, oh, you die if you kill someone. Right. Um, maybe because that's still my experience and people would have to like know or hear about my experience. So, I mean, really what we're talking about is should the death penalty truly be national and truly be something that if you kill someone, you are killed. Um, So then these numbers of executions really skyrocket, right? Because then it would be more of a deterrent. Now, this is, this is, I'm going, I'm way, I'm waving into some weird water right now. Um, Or is the better answer and the better question to completely get rid of the death penalty and work um, through actual deterrence of 
of murder and crime and um, rehabilitation of individuals. Yeah. So a lot of what you're talking about are, I guess, maybe to give people some sense of um, a look into law school and maybe a little bit of relief. These are things that we talk about sometimes in some of our classes. Um, it's not necessarily like required courses or anything, but we talk about like restorative justice and or like retributive justice and the difference and and what happens and what results you might see or might not see. So these are things that we are thinking about and talking about, but um, I don't know how much change you'll necessarily see because going back to a previous episode where we talked about um, police use of force, we talked a little bit about how most of the power is in the hand of the prosecutor. Mm -hmm. And if the prosecutor wants to... The, the saying is, if a prosecutor wants to charge a ham sandwich, they can charge a ham sandwich because they have so much power in that sense. So if they want to try someone for the death penalty, they can, or they can just never try. Even if the state allows it, they could just never try someone for the death penalty. Um, and, and, the, and the trials, I think if I understand correctly, and forgive me if I'm wrong, because um, one, I'm not obviously a practicing attorney, but... Um, not super into the criminal world with a lot of experience there just yet but i believe the there's a, a trial for the conviction of the crime itself and then separately there's a death penalty trial um so those are like two separate situations and i want to sort of bring in like a real world example yeah so in i think it was August of 2019, I got to sit in on a death penalty trial in Columbus. Mm. And um, basically what had happened was a young man named Christopher Garrett um, had been charged with uh, two counts of murder, his child and the mother of his child. And the... The interesting thing about this is, and this is sort of what you were hinting at, but didn't quite get to, was that his defense attorneys argued essentially that mental illness played a role mm. in, in what happened. And they talked about their analogy was something of um, ice mm. and that like he had all these cracks in his foundation of his or like in his ice and that there was a breaking point where everything just came tumbling down and then that resulted in him killing the child and, and the mother of his child. Um, and so then I think, I guess what they were trying to get at was that like, we have opportunities to intervene in people's lives. Mm -hmm. We have opportunities to build community. We have opportunities to invite people in before they get to a point where they kill someone. And so it's almost a separate question of like, if you kill someone, is there, does that person deserve mercy? Our, our mercy, does that person deserve our grace? Does that person deserve empathy? Um, and then separately, like what can we be doing better so that someone doesn't get to the point where they do crack, where they do, kill someone mm. and i think that we can do a lot of things better because i think that we've become so inward and so exclusive that we don't you know the kind of thing that's like you have a neighbor who is a single mom who has to work afternoon shifts or something so her child is unsupervised after school until bedtime. In some situations, you could say, that's not my kid. I have no responsibility for that kid. And I'm not saying that you have to raise this child, but there are, there are senses of community and neighborhood where maybe a group of moms bands together and says like, oh, well, we all have to work at these different times and it's been very hard for all of us. So let's come up with something where we can all work together to 
um, keep our kids safe or, you know, or I'm just a person on the street in the neighborhood and I'm like, you know, I come outside and I say, Johnny, what are you doing? Like, don't do that right now. Um, so I'm, you know, in a sense, keeping an eye on him, but not ultimately responsible for him or whatever. I think it brings up a lot of philosophical questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, um, I mean, you, it's, it's, it's such a, a hard question and so what you're talking about is before a crime is committed what are things that we can do as a society to prevent that crime from happening which is important which is so important to talk about and um i think we as a society um i mean part of being a society is the fact that we are a community of humans living together and what can we do for the betterment of all of us um what I want to... Right, because it's a better place when we're not getting murdered. That's like the number one ethical rule is like, don't murder. Right. And then the question is, when someone does murder, even in that scenario, because regardless, you will have people murder in that scenario. <laughs> what then is the society's response to that? And then that's the question um, that I, I I grapple with. And so I, I mean... I, th I think we're talking about two different questions, which both are both are mm -hmm. important questions and both need to be answered. Um, and I, I, I think the question that I come to is once someone has committed a murder, um, if they are convicted of the crime, if they are, are, are proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, um, is it the job of the society, of the, um, the nation, the, the, the state that someone lives in, for us as a community to kill that person, to put that person to death, is that the right choice? Um, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna come back to some numbers here. And in 2010, there was a poll done by Lake uh, Research Partners, which found that a clear majority of voters would choose any other pu punishment other than the death penalty for murder. Um, which include life without parole, life with parole, life without parole plus uh, restitution. And only a third of respondents, so 33%, believe that the death penalty was the right choice. Um, now again, this is this is all saying that when a person has committed a crime, what what should the societies, should the nations, should the states response be? Um, what you're getting at, Carson, I think what is almost even more important is how can we prevent that crime from even taking place? Um, mm -hmm. And that is something that I think uh, is, is so very important. Um, and uh, I, I, I think you're right where, where it, it really is a coming together of the community and whatnot. Um, but that being said, we are also humans who um, not necessarily always want to come together, which is <laughs> come together <laughs> right now. Um, no, I, I agree. It's it's odd to preach community and togetherness in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> like, I think right now, especially has been a time where we've said, no, thanks. Hard pass. Um, so I, and, and even when we're not in a pandemic, um, I think that, the you still have that aspect of people questioning whether or not togetherness is what they want. And that is a point of privilege mm -hmm. because I think some people don't have the option or the ability to say no i don't want community hard pass no thank you right um so i think it's important to recognize that as well but and i think we all need some form of connection um yeah. and it is though it is a lot and again this is this is yet another separate issue but i think even the life without parole and the isolation and the imprisonment i think all of those are not the proper response either my question is i would i just wish that i could ask fred rogers 
Like, I wish this so often because I feel like he had such intentional thoughts, such mindful thoughts, and the these ideas of inclusivity and empathy. He just really understood empathy. And I wish that I could just ask him or have him, you know, explain his thoughts on the death penalty or whatever. Because, again, I think it's relatively easy to say, like, to go up to someone on the street and say, do you think an innocent person should be executed or be killed or whatever? I'm pretty sure most people would say no, like, hands down. But it becomes a bigger question, I think, when I'm saying this guy or girl murdered seven people. Should they be put to death? And personally, I think I, I think my answer is no. But you can see where I'm struggling with this. I don't know what what your thoughts are on it, but... It, I don't know. My biggest concern is that the nation, the state, a group of uh, individuals who have come together to form a society have decided to kill another human being. Um, and my, the, I, I initially, when I first um, started thinking about the death penalty, which admittedly, because of my privilege, wasn't until my uh, late teens uh, when it mm-hmm. came up in class. I, I didn't have to think about it before then. Um, and when I first started thinking about it, my initial gut reaction was my biggest fear is that we as a society will kill an innocent person. That was my biggest concern. Because, I mean... Mm-hmm. And we do. We get it wrong all the time. Well, and and that's the thing is, is like just mercy shows us that someone was convicted and, and sent on, um, uh, on death row who, who should not have been. That being said, um, I don't think, and Carson, feel, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that there has ever been someone that has been executed that was later found to be innocent. No, there has. That has that was executed. Yeah, yeah. Who? We get it wrong. Oh, no, um, no. This is what I'm saying. Were they executed or are they on death row? No, I I believe that people have innocent people have been killed. I'm gonna look at the Ohio Innocence Project because I think that they give um some statistics on that. But I'm pretty. I'm like fairly certain that innocent people who have later been found to be innocent have already been put to death. Um, and I don't know if I can find something quickly enough. If you have other points that you'd like to make, well, so I'm looking. What I have is that 185 people since 1973 have been exonerated. Um, well on death row. Um, however, I have not seen anything or heard where there has ever been an individual who has been executed and then later found to be gu- not guilty. Um, and the reason I bring that up is to say that that was my initial concern, was that an innocent person was then going to be executed by the state. However, my position has since evolved that the state should not be executing anyone regardless of their crime, regardless of their innocence or not, um, because it's not the state's, that should not even be a, a deterrent or a means of justice for the state. So it's almost like regardless of what you're finding is, Carson, I'm going to be against it. Um, however, um, Initially, that was my biggest concern, was the fact that um, the state could one day kill someone. Go ahead. So we have um, our Lord and Savior Wikipedia that has um, some wrongful executions here. 
and I don't know if I know any of these um, off the top of my head, but I also want to bring up something else after I mention these, but it, it appears that there was a man, Ro- Joseph Roger Odell III, who was executed in Virginia in 1997 mm. who for rape and murder and that um he was perhaps innocent is what it looks like um and then it goes on and lists like several uh examples of people so to my, to my knowledge and and that tracks with what i knew or thought i knew there have been people who have later been found to have been innocent but i think you can also connect it to without getting too i guess wild or whatever um a couple different things so you have police use of force and i i want to be really clear that i don't think that the police are the kkk um but then you also have groups like the kkk um, and both of these groups, these organized groups, um, big difference being that one is clearly state funded and sponsored, the police, and, and then the other is the KKK. <laughs> but you have both of these groups who are carrying out executions without, you know, trials. And so there are a lot of obviously very innocent, mostly in large part, the story has been black men, but let's not forget that there have been many, many other people um, mm-hmm. who have been essentially executed without, you know, without trial, without um, a chance to prove innocence or guilt or anything. So when you look at it, I, I, I know I understand that we were looking at death penalty and death penalty trials and things like that. But I think that you have to involve these things and you have to include those things. You have to think about those things as well because they are similar in some ways. Does that make sense? Does that connection make sense? Yeah, because again, it's another state um, sponsored form of justice being done and the state form is in the police officers because let's be very clear the public is paying for them through taxes (laughs) i'm gonna sound like a karen real quick but we pay for your salary mr police officer um just because you have a gun or or mrs police officer no only mr there's only men police officers (laughs) women can't (laughs) women can't be police officers (laughs) um but again, it's just reemphasizing the point of if we as a society are okay. And I think that's one thing. I mean, our, our very first episode, we talked about um, the, the racial unrest in the United States and, and, and the coming to grips. And I think a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of white people after last summer have been like, okay, we th- we've solved it. Um, but I mean, I think we continue to come back to the fact that we haven't solved it. We've taken a a, a few good steps, but let's not take a giant leap backwards. Let's keep pushing through. Um, what did Winston Churchill say? Uh, when you're going through hell, don't turn back, keep going. Um, when you're going through hell, keep on moving, don't slow down. If you're scared, don't show it, you might get out, or the devil even knows you're there. (laughs) I love country music. (laughs) So, um, whoever it was stole Winston Churchill's line, so I hope they credited him. (laughs) No, clearly not. Um... Well, Carson, um, final stance on death penalty. Uh, I'm going to say I'm against. I think you're for it. So we'll just leave it there and we'll move on to walking and talking. (laughs) Just kidding. What? (laughs) (laughs) I was so confused. I was like, what the hell? You like how I said it so fast. See, ladies and gentlemen, now when you vote for your favorite host, remember that Carson is for the death penalty. Um, No, I think we can unequivocally unequivocally say i can't say that word i can't say that word i can't unequivocally say unequivocally um but say that um i mean i am 
I am against the death penalty in any case, in any uh, use of, uh, as any use of, of justice, both within the judicial system, but also uh, as a law enforcement tactic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say strongly opposed, strongly against, abolish the death penalty, and let's stop using it overseas as well. Yeah. Um, not, not speaking on like what foreign countries do, although like if you are a foreign country leader and you're listening to this and you have the death penalty please get rid of it but i'm i'm speaking on like the u.s and what we tend to do with our whole um you know our mo of dropping bombs on other countries which is and drunk strikes um which we could talk about later as well because i have a lot to say about that um but yeah okay let's move on to walking and talking carson what have you been reading listening to watching well the grim just gets more grim <laughs> um after a horribly heavy and brutal episode i would like to bring up some more heavy and brutal things um so i have been i read a really compelling story npr did a piece on twin sisters who were close to my age um and in right before COVID got super big in uh, late fall, early winter of 2019. One of the sisters who was in graduate school, who was into hiking, who was um, into running, just like super fit, all of these things and young, got COVID. And of course, based on all of, you know, those factors, she recovered fine at home on her own. She was never hospitalized or anything. Mm -hmm. And she but but with with the exception of that she kind of had a cough that she couldn't kick so she then goes for a birthday trip with her sister to look at a waterfall and contracts what the doctors originally diagnosed as pneumonia i think they went to like a quick care or something but her twin second guessed the diagnosis took her to the er and this is right when COVID is hitting. So hospitals are closing to visitors and everything. She takes her to the doors of the ER. They say, bye sister, like you can't come in. But she pleads with them to at least wait with her sister um, until she's able to be taken back to her room. And her sister is then put in the ICU for a few days. And she gets, she's really, really, really sick. She has fluid around her lungs and her heart and is not doing well, just hanging on by a thread. She, and then she gets a little bit better, and she is able to sit up in her bed. She's able to sit in a chair. She's able to drink a smoothie. Um, so things are looking good. Then all of a sudden, she has to have emergency surgery, and her heart basically explodes. Um not exactly like her heart explodes, but like I guess one side of the heart just does not typically do this, but it got like really big. And it's something that they've now seen that's common from people who have or had COVID. Um, and w- along with like the scarring of the lung tissue. Um, so she passed away, and uh, NPR on like the anniversary of either their birthday or her death, they were pretty close in time um told that story and I thought it was really compelling because I think when COVID started my idea was I don't want to spread this to other people I I want my grandma to live I want people in my life to not get this illness not contract it but at some point in time it became hey I don't want to get this either. Like I'm important too. And we did not know enough about it. We're still learning things about COVID. um, But we certainly didn't know enough about it like a year ago. Um, So it was just a really, it's a story that stuck with me and has been hard to process um, and think about as we're, you know, on the one year ish anniversary anniversary of when everything kind of shut down um and the fact that you know I have a sister who's really close in age and um just that you know like I like hiking and um 
I think I like running. No, I don't like running. <laughs> but it was pretty easy to put myself in her shoes, um, either one of the twins, honestly. So it was a really difficult story to digest. Um, the other thing... So, so that's a bummer. <laughs> oh, <Jesus>. Wait, <laughs> sorry, was that a st- like a, a, an article or was it like a podcast? What was it? Yeah, it was just an article. I think they ran it um, around March thirteenth, okay, or fourteenth. Um, so, if you're interested, um, you might be able to find it. Sorry, I don't know the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I, th- I think um, if you type other... in NPR twin sister with COVID or dies of COVID, I think I think you would be able to find it. Great. Thanks for those Boolean <laughs> search phrases. <laughs> Just, key, key terms, people. Key terms. <laughs> NPR and Update. Twin I found it. And... It was posted on the 14th. <laughs> <laughs> What's the title of it? COVID-19 takes a young woman's life. NPR. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, that's a horrible title. And they were both. You are correct. They were born around this time. They were born on the seventeenth. Yeah. Um. So the other bright and cheery oh, thing that I've been <laughs> obsessing over is a young woman named Sarah. I think her last name is Everard, and she was a. I'm saying was, because, spoiler alert, she died. Um, A young woman living in the United Kingdom. I'm just like, death and despair. Might as well. goes with the theme of the episode, death penalty. (laughs) Um, But she was a young woman living in the United Kingdom, and I think she was at, like, her friend's house or something and decided to walk home. And she, it's something I think that she had done many times before, but also, like, texted her boyfriend or something who said, like, okay, let me know when you get home safely, which is really common, by the way. Um, You don't experience life as a woman, um, but I think that you try to learn about what we experience sometimes. And basically, if you are in fear of your life especially when it's dark outside um all the time then you know what it's like to be a woman in the united states and apparently the united kingdom Mm. so um sarah was uh like attacked kidnapped potentially i don't know if anything's come out or not whether or not she was like raped but murdered ultimately by a police officer not one in uniform or on duty but um that was their his profession and you know she did all the things that were taught all along to do you know letting people know her route letting people know where she was when she was going to be there wearing bright clothes going away that's like a little bit longer so that it's better lit she's was doing everything that we've always been taught to do and she was murdered so that one has not been able to escape my mind it's been another one that's really difficult to process right now wow um. <laughs> <laughs> what a bummer huh thanks for- hope you have a good day Bye. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thanks for sharing both those stories, Carson. I mean, I one, it's clear like they both left a, a, a important mark on you. Uh, but two, they're they're also two very important stories that I think everyone should engage with. And I, I mean, I literally just googled them both and found them both, and I'm, uh, I, w- I want to learn from them. Um, now, in terms of the materials that I have been engaging with, they're a bit different. Um, and I'll just run through them real quick because let's be <laughs> So one is I'm still watching Teen Wolf and I still love it. <laughs> they're not like other boys and girls. There is death in that, but um, it's not real. Uh, and then I have, so I talked about watching Shadowhunters. Well, I started to read the books slash listen to the books because, again, I can't read. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about it, but I finished the first book. 
Um, I'll try to read them and then maybe we can talk about it. Okay. Oh, do you want to talk about it on here? <laughs> that could be an episode. Um, I mean, sure, because it is, I, it's definitely feral. Um, but yeah, Ooh, okay. that's where I'm at. Let's go to Oh No's because I need <laughs> to stop talking about YA novels and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, I think we balance each other out nicely. Because <laughs> I'm like, look at these. <laughs> like, like doom, gloom, death, despair. I'm like, you're like, you're SpongeBob. You're like, F is for friends who do stuff together. And I'm like, F is for fire that burns down the whole town. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, Carson, oh no's, hit me. I woke up with a migraine yesterday. I'll just leave it at that. It was painful and horrible, and I believe that I manifested it into existence. So, um, migraines suck. Well, along those same lines, I have woken up the past couple of days with awful allergies. Like, literally... It's gotten to the point where my eyes, like, secrete some sort of substance at night where sometimes I wake mm. up and I'm like, oh, it's she crusty. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Penny Pippin, did you, did you put super glue on my You're eyes? like, am I blind? <laughs> I can't open my I can't eyes. open my eyes. Um, yeah, that would, oh my gosh, if, if anyone were to ever super glue someone's eyes shut while they were sleeping, <gasps> awful oh my now if someone actually does that because of just suggested it it's not my fault but like i just had that awful thought now that's gonna be one of my biggest fears now i'm never gonna be able to sleep again um <laughs> let's move on to yes bitches literally who's gonna super glue your eyes shut? one of my cats i don't know <laughs> um okay <clears throat> yes i went to Half price books the other day and found a lot of great things. So it was super exciting. I don't get out much. And um, I'm actually really excited because I got a couple of books just to add to my collection, like Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Secrets. Um, obviously, we don't support the author, but we support the series. And I want to one day own all of the books. Um, so I've already read it, but it's nice to have. And then I also bought Untamed by Glennon Doyle, which I've mm -hmm. talked about multiple times on here and I've already read multiple times. But it was one of those that I wanted to add to my collection because I want to have a library when I grow up. And so, yeah, Half Price Books was super duper fun. Do you want me to do my Associate of the Week or do you want to go? Uh, I'll go real quick because I just want to talk about the fact that the day that this is posting, everyone 16 years and older um, will be able to uh, get their vaccine here in Ohio. So I'm Yay! super excited. Uh, chip me up, Daddy DeWine, is what I've been saying <laughs> because... <laughs> You know, the vaccine comes with a little microchip so they can track us. Uh, and I'm just excited to be tracked and to be, like, you know, someone actually wanting to know where I am at all times. I'm like, okay, you can do that. Right. Why are you so obsessed with me? Oh, my gosh. Right. Like, oh, my gosh, U.S. government, stop it. Stop Do it. Do Dr. Fauci, get off me. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Carson, who's our associate of the week? <laughs> Uh, this week, it is the one, the only, Queen Bee, Beyonce, which I'm looking at, and I have a huge spelling error yeah. on it. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's, it looks more like Beonos. <laughs> it does. But anyway, yeah, yeah, girl, she won. Um, she has the most Grammy wins by any female artist. So we are so proud of her for that. 28 Grammy Grammys. Um, and that's just a huge lifetime achievement. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm honestly, like, I don't listen to Beyonce that often. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> but I'm so happy for her. Here's the thing. You could not listen to Beyonce, but still know the force and power of the woman. Because um, that's mm -hmm. everyone 
everyone knows her name. She is one of those individuals who only goes by one name, and she can go by one name because she um, has that force and that power. So all power to her. Thank you for being who you are, Beyonce. If you, if you want to come on our podcast, just let us know. We'll listen to some of your songs. We're a little busy, but we'll, we'll, we'll probably we'll, squeeze you in. We'll fit you in. We'll give you like a 30-minute time slot. If you want a little longer, we might be able to squeeze 45, but um, definitely not an hour. Sorry, that's just not feasible. Um, anyway. That's reserved for white men. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> not me attacking our own show <laughs> um with that we will say just remember to subscribe rate and review us on the apple podcast store <laughs> and bye and have a great day and don't forget to sign up for a vaccine bye <laughs>